life more full for you right now, what would it be? Oftentimes, if we're honest, it's a change of our circumstances. We think if I had a little bit more of this, or if I had a new... This could get a little easier. If I just had this thing, maybe life would be a little better, a little fuller. It might be if you just had a babysitter. It might be if you just had a a different home. It might be if you had a different job. It might be if you could get a spouse. Maybe you're single and wanting to get married. If I could get that, maybe it's friends. Maybe it's a different location. Maybe it's more money or more time or more health. If if I could just kind of get this thing or these things, life would experience, I would have some more fullness. Life would be better. But what Paul's going to help us see is this, that what we really need in our life, if you want fullness, what we really need is deeper than that. What we really need is a lot more and a lot more profound than just a change in our circumstances. Let me read the beginning of this passage and then we'll focus in. He says, for this reason, all the stuff that's come before, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. He's talking to God. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So he says what we need is not just a change of our circumstances, but what we need is to be strengthened inside. It's not just a change of the things on the outside, but he says we need to be strengthened inside, in our inner being, that we need to be stronger. Now here's what this means. It means this. The life that God has for you, the things that God calls you to, the things that he wants you to experience, the fullness in life, the, 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 the Christian life, a life of faith, a life of community, all, all the different things. And, and you are living and experiencing some of these things right now in your life. The life that God has for you is hard. It's not easy. The life that God wants you to live, the life that he calls you to experience is difficult. If what you need is strength, If what you need is to be strengthened in your inner being, that means that the life that God is calling you to live isn't easy. It's difficult. It's challenging. But that's actually encouraging because what it means is this. If you feel that right now, if you feel the difficulty of life, if you feel like even more specifically to follow Jesus, to walk with Jesus is actually challenging, is hard, if you feel weakness in your life right now, God knows that. God sees that. That's normal. God expects that. And so he says that what we need is not just a change of our circumstances, but an inner strengthening. And here's what I want you to think about. Where do you feel? Try to make this personal for you. Where do you feel that life is difficult right now? Where do you feel the challenges? Where do you feel maybe like you're running up against a wall? Where do you feel like this is too much for me? Or, or where have you even said, I can't do this? Or this is more than I can handle? Or this is beyond me? Or I don't know if I have what it takes for this. What are you facing in your life right now that feels big, hard to overcome? 
What I want to show you, I don't know how you normally visualize that, whatever you're facing, but maybe you could visualize it like this. I don't know if you normally visualize your problems as a strong Russian man in his underwear, but sometimes I do. And so whatever you're, I don't normally wear my underwear with a belt, but if you're, if you're, whatever problems you're facing are, whatever's challenging, whatever's difficult, think about it like this, okay? And there's three ways to kind of handle this. One way is to leave, to just get out of the situation. If you're in the ring, if, you're, if, if life is too much for you, one way is to just exit. And you can do that literally, physically. Sometimes people say, my marriage is too much for me. This situation in my, in my friends is too much for me. This job is too much for me. I'm just out. So sometimes people literally do that. Other times, it's more of an escapism of how we handle that. We drink. We watch too much shows on TV, play too much video games, we scroll too much. We just say, this is too much, I need to leave, okay? That's one way you can kind of manage the, the difficulty or the pressures that you face. A second way is to try to just alleviate it more, manage it. So instead of exiting, it's how can I learn to block more? How can I just try to figure out certain guardrails that, that keep this from being as intense? What specific things might I be able to change? How can I learn to take a punch? How can I dodge maybe a little bit? Like I, I can just kind of manage more. But there's a third way also. There's a third way that you can deal with the things that you face. So remember, this is just kind of a metaphor for what you're dealing with in life or what's hard, what's intense. There's a third way that we can do that. And the third way is what God desires for us. The third way is not that we would escape, not that we would manage, but rather that we would be strengthened. See, this is no match for this. That's the third way to deal with the things that are in your life, is for you to actually get stronger. For the problems not necessarily to go away, for the things that you're facing not necessarily to change. They still are big. They still are scary. They still are Russian. They still are intimidating. But you can get stronger. That is what Paul is praying for, that you would be strengthened with power in your inner being. It's not that the situation changes. It's not that the things around you get any less difficult on the surface level but it's that you become stronger. That is the third way to deal with the problems that you face, the things that are challenging, the things where you feel like this is too much. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I have what it takes. You can leave, you can manage, or you can get stronger. And so often we want release and God wants to increase. We want to get out and God wants us to be strengthened within. That is what we actually need. It's a different way of looking at it and different from how we often approach our situations. But when you think about strength, strength can be used at the physical level. Strength can be used for all sorts of things, right? Strength can be used to protect people. Strength can be used to help people. Strength can be used to withstand things that are coming at you. Paul is saying what God wants to do is give you that same thing, but not physically. He wants to strengthen you inside, that the inside of you is able 
to withstand. The inside of you is able to help. The inside of you is able to fight. The inside of you is able to deal. The inside of you is stronger than the things around you. That is what God desires to give to us. That's what God wants to do inside of us. And when you are stronger, that creates better around you. So here's what Paul is saying. You do face big things in your life. And they may be really challenging, and you may feel really weak, and they may be really hard. And what God wants to do is reach inside the deepest parts of you, your inner being. God wants to reach inside and strengthen you there. That's what God wants to do in your life with whatever the things are that you are facing. God wants to reach inside the depths of you. Those parts, if you've ever said something like, oh man, I feel this deep inside of me. Sometimes we say something negatively like, oh, I hate that with everything inside of me. Or I love that with everything inside of me. That, whatever that inside of is, he's saying, God wants to strengthen you in the inner being of who you are. Not exit, not just manage, but be stronger than the things that are around you. Now, what is that strength? How does that strength happen? What, what, what is it that that strength is? And what Paul says is it's Christ dwelling or living, taking up residence in your hearts through faith. He's talking to people that are Christians. So sometimes Christians use the language of Jesus living in your heart or Jesus, when I was a kid, we talked about accepting Jesus into my heart, which there's some problems with that that I won't get into. But what that sometimes we think is what it means to become a Christian. And there's a truth in that. But Paul is talking about as a Christian, this person already is a Christian. These people that he's writing to already are Christians. And yet he wants Christ, he wants Jesus to more and more take up residence in their heart, in their inner being, in their life. That that is what the source of strength is. The source of strength is not bigger muscles. The source of strength is internal. And it's therefore Jesus living within, taking up residence inside that gives you strength. Think about it maybe like this. I don't know if you've ever uh, seen... A lot of movies have kind of a similar storyline, something where uh, we, I grew up watching and we watch a lot with my kids, kind of some Old West kind of movies, and there might be a, some sort of cowboy that comes in to the town, and there's weakness in the town. The bad guys are ruling the town. It's not going well, and a cowboy comes in to town or a group of cowboys, if it's the Magnificent Seven or something like that, they come into town, and when they take up residence, things are strengthened things get better because they took up residence. Or a lot of movies have this same thing, whether it's a sports team or a school, there's kind of a dysfunctional school or dysfunctional sports team. And some coach comes in, takes up residence. I don't know if you've ever seen Stand By Me. That's a great older movie. Comes into a dysfunctional school. Remember the Titans? Comes into a dysfunctional school and sports team. Comes in. And because they take up residence there, the, the school gets stronger. Or... Another similar kind of movie, not uh, same kind of idea, Mary Poppins or Sound of Music, where there's a nanny or someone like that that comes into a home, takes up residence in the home. Things are chaotic. Things aren't going well. Things are dysfunctional. But because she comes in and lives there, it's stronger. So imagine that is with Jesus. 
that our internal lives are chaos. Our internal lives are disordered. Our internal lives are dysfunctional. Our internal lives are weak. But the more that Jesus comes in and takes up residence inside of us, the more that things get stronger because he's the one living there. He's the one leading. He's the one changing decisions and how things happen. He's the one that's leading our life with greater wisdom. This is what the strength actually is. Let me give you one last kind of analogy around that. I don't know if several years ago, Disney had the movie Inside Out. And if you haven't seen it, it's just, it's about a person, but kind of saying on the inside of this person, there's these different emotions, disgust, fear, happiness, sadness, anger, that are kind of controlling at the control board of this person's life, directing them. And I think it's sadness and joy that leave, and then it's just kind of fear and disgust or anger that are controlling everything. And so their whole life is being controlled just by these emotions. Now, that's just a picture in case you've seen that movie that maybe helps you connect. But imagine that it wasn't these, but it was Jesus that was actually at the controls of your life. Isn't it Carrie Underwood that t- taught us that, right? Jesus, take the wheel. I, I could sing right now. I could do it. Don't, don't, don't push. Don't test me. <laughs> but if Jesus is at the controls of your life, if Jesus was, if it wasn't, all holistic emotions, if it wasn't one particular emotion, but it was actually Jesus that was at the the control helm of your life. Wouldn't life be better? Wouldn't life be stronger? Wouldn't your relationships be better if Jesus, what would it look like with Jesus at the controls of your life in your relationships? Aren't there times that you've been like, God, give me wisdom for this? Because you knew that if you had that, life would be better. You would be stronger. If you're faced with difficulty in certain situations, but Jesus was at the controls of your life, wouldn't that be different? Wouldn't you be able to handle suffering and sin and relationships and all sorts of serving people? Wouldn't you be able to do that better with Jesus running the controls? Paul is saying that if you want to experience fullness in your life, you need to know that life is hard right? You face difficulty in life. You know life is hard. Life is hard. But the more that you are strengthened, not by the change of your circumstances, but by an inner strength that comes from Jesus taking up residence, living there, then you will be stronger, which will lead to fullness. And he says that Jesus will strengthen you with power according to all the riches of his glory, which that's a lot, right? It's not like he'll give you, he's kind of strong and he'll help. It's all the riches of God's glory. He will strengthen you in your inner being. The second question is, when we get strengthened, what can we then do? I know this is a long question, but when we get strengthened, what can we do that leads to fullness of life? Think about it like this. What are you getting stronger for? Sometimes people talk about getting stronger for something. Maybe you're training for something. You're training for a marathon. You're training for a 5K, 10K. You're training for an Ironman. You're training for something. And so you are getting stronger for something. You need greater ability. You need greater physical strength for something. Sometimes people talk about it for their family. Something maybe as you start to get into your 50s, 60s, you say, I need to stay healthy for my family. I need to get stronger for my family so that I'm around a while so I can spend time with my grandkids and maybe great grandkids. 
I need to get stronger for something. I need to get healthy for something. So what are we getting stronger for? What does the strengthening lead to? What, why, what, when we get strengthened, what can we all of a sudden do that will create the fullness in our life? And so that's the question, but maybe I can get at it asking it a little bit of a different way. What's your greatest weakness? That's not a rhetorical question. Go ahead and just shout out. No, I'm just kidding. What's your greatest weakness? I mean, you know, you maybe get asked that sometimes at a job interview, like tell us some of your weaknesses and people are always like, oh, I'm too organized. I just, I'm too committed to my job. That's my, you know, I overwork. I, no one has a real answer, right? No one's ever like, ah, sometimes I think about killing my coworkers. You know, that's kind of, it's just, sometimes I just fly off the handle with customers. No one ever says that, right? I like to spit in burritos, you know. So when you think about your greatest weakness, a lot of times we're probably going to point to some sort of sin in our life, right? It might be our impatience. It might be our anger. It might be our gossip. It might be sexual sins. It might be, I mean, all sorts of different things that we might point to and say, yeah, this is where I'm, this is my greatest weakness. But Paul helps us see that our greatest weakness is more than just that. Because again, we need to be strengthened inside, which means our greatest weakness is something inside. And here's what Paul will tell us. Our greatest weakness is not knowing God's love. That's your greatest weakness, not knowing God's love. Here's the next section. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints, just as all the Christians, what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He says our greatest weakness, and therefore why our greatest need, is not knowing God's love. That's why he prays that our strength, as we get stronger, our strength enables us to know God's love. All the weaknesses in your life stem from not knowing how much God loves you. All the weaknesses, and I'm not talking about a physical deformity or something like that, that's not what I mean, but all of our sins, so much of our emotional struggles come from not knowing how much God loves you. That's why you need to be strengthened so that you may be able to comprehend how much he loves you. Our weakness is not knowing how much he loves us. I love some of you parents have, uh, with younger kids, the Jesus Storybook Bible. And I love how the Jesus Storybook Bible talks about this. If you don't have this, I encourage you to get it. All the way back in the beginning with Adam and Eve. And this is a kid's Bible, so they're taking a little bit of you know, liberty, but I still think it's true. But let me just read this part about it. As soon as the snake saw his chance, he slithered silently up to Eve. Does God really love you? The serpent whispered. If he does, why won't he let you eat the nice, juicy, delicious fruit? Poor you. Perhaps God doesn't want you to be happy. You ever felt that way? You want this thing, and, but God says you can't have it. And Man, does God really love you? The snake's words hissed into her ears and sunk down deep into her heart like poison. 
Does God love me? Eve wondered. Suddenly, she didn't know anymore. Just trust me. That's how I always do it with my kids. The serpent whispered. You don't need God. One small taste, that's all, and you'll be happier than you could ever dream. Eve picked the fruit and ate some, and Adam ate some too. And a terrible lie came into the world. It would never leave. It would live on in every human heart, whispering to every one of God's children, God doesn't love me. That's profound. I think that's true. I think that's what Paul is getting at. That our deepest weakness is believing that lie. Our deepest weakness, what controls where everything else stems from, is not believing that God loves me. We sin like there. We sin looking for something else to satisfy us since we don't believe we have God's love. We stress out in our life trying to earn God's love. We fear and are anxious because we're not sure that God will love us and provide for us and care for us. We get tired serving other people because we're not fueled by how much God loves me, so I want to serve other people. We struggle to forgive other people because we don't remember how much God has loved us and forgiven us. We struggle in so many ways because we don't believe that God loves us. It's the terrible lie that gets whispered in our ears, making us search for and crave other things and, and compromise in so many different ways and be worried about our futures and be worried about what's going to happen because we don't believe that God loves us. That's our greatest weakness. It leads to all the other things, all the other sins, all the other manifestations are fruit of that terrible lie that gets inside of our heart. And you might say, but I know God loves me. I'm a Christian. I know God loves me. That's as basic as it gets. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I've sang it since I was a kid if you grew up in church. You may say, I know, God is love. There's an easy verse to memorize. God is love, the end. You may say, I know God loves me. It is one of the most basic truths for many people and yet, what Paul's helping us see is it's easy to know that. It's easy to have some understanding of that. And then to move on. To move on and then to actually miss how deep it is. How much there is. And if that happens, then we miss out on the fullness that is available to us. Paul says, you need to know how you're weak. So you face big things. You face strong things. You face Russians in their underwear. It's challenging. And so you need to get stronger. And that strength comes as you know more of God's love. But you think you know God's love, but there's so much more. And if you don't know the more, then you won't be able to experience the fullness. And therefore, the things around you that are challenging and difficult that you need to be strengthened for will defeat you. And you will constantly think you need something new and something better and to escape and to manage and will never be strengthened inside. Listen, I think so often the reasons that we're stuck in life is because we think we have to get out of the problems. We think we have to just manage the problems instead of I need something more. I need to get stronger in the middle of my problems. And that can only come from my inner self being strengthened from something outside of me. And that thing is knowing more 
what God's love is. Here's what Paul says. He says, you might know it, but there's so much more. I want you to know the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love. I want you to know the love that surpasses knowledge. So even if you say, I have a knowledge of God's love, he says, yeah, but his love surpasses knowledge. There's so much more. For us to say that I, I get it, I know God's love. If, if you say, I know God loves me, that's like a first grader saying, I get math. Well, you kinda, you do, you know what two plus two is, maybe, I don't know, or second grade, I'm not sure exactly, but you, you, know, you know what it is a little bit, but there's so much more. You couldn't fathom what trig trigonometry means. You couldn't fathom what calculus means. You couldn't fathom statistical analysis of when, you're, when you're in first grade, even though in some ways you get math. But there's so much more. It surpasses knowledge. It's beyond. There's a greater... There, it's, he's saying it's an endless... It's endless how the dimensions of it keep going. Now, let me help just kind of push into this a little bit more with a few illustrations that maybe help you. I, I, some of you I know love... Uh, and this is kind of a blurry photo... You can see on the top, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? All the different movies, all the different... And when the Marvel movies kind of first started coming out, it was like, here's a Captain America movie. Like, oh, cool, I get it, Captain America. That's pretty cool. And now, they don't even call it like a Marvel movie. It's the Marvel Cinematic Universe and multiverse. And there's backstories upon backstories. And there's movies and there's TV shows and there's cartoons. And, there's... and if you want to grasp the universe of it, it's a full-time job. I don't know who made this. They actually sell this as a painting that you can put up in your house. And this was only like up to, you know, phases one through three. I think there's five phases or something right now, right? So it keeps going. It's end, like if Marvel keeps going, if there's a universe of Marvel, how much more are there backstories upon backstories of God's love for you? You know a little bit of it, but there's backstories upon backstories of how loving God is to you. Now think about the ocean. Do you know that they've only explored between 5 to 10% of the ocean? Think about that. 5 to 10% of the ocean has been explored. And we look at it. You can see it on a map. And be like, wow, there's a lot of blue, right? Wow, that's a very intelligent comment. You know, there's like, okay, you can dive down deep. There's documentaries of people going deep and, and seeing cool little fish with weird eyes and all sorts of stuff but they've explored 5 to 10% of the ocean. If that's true with the ocean, how much more is there of God's love to be explored? You've explored some of it, but if the ocean, which God made, is still 90% unexplored, how much more, even if you think you've kind of understood some of God's love, is there more? It's actually recently in the news, they explored 1% more of the ocean. You know what they found? This. It's crazy. <laughs> Or think about space. Space is another way to think about God's love. It just keeps going, right? There isn't, it, there's not an end to it. It's not like if you could get in a rocket ship, you would just all of a sudden go, clunk, clunk, and there's a wall. Like, that's the end of space. As far as we know, it just keeps going. It just keeps, it's just, there's more and more, there's greater length and height and width and depth. It's, it's unknowable. And Paul says, I want you to explore God's love, the knowledge of it that is unknowable. 
It surpasses knowledge. That's what space is like, right? There's a knowledge. You can get PhDs upon PhDs in space, but it's still unknowable. There's still so much more of it. I'll give you one last one. A little bit different. Think about if you lived in, this is from Google, you know, so whenever you Google like bedroom, it always looks so nice and there's no clutter anywhere. So whatever. So there's a, if you think about this is a room in a house, right? What if this is where you lived and this was your full experience of your house? Now that'd be nice. You could sleep. You could get some sunlight in. Looks like there's a book over there. You, you could read a book. Like you would have kind of some experience of that house if that's where you lived. Some benefits. But if you were locked your whole life in that room, you'd be missing out on so much more of what there is to experience. If you lived in the room, you wouldn't be able to ever go into the living room and go, oh, we can actually eat meals together. I can actually have people over. There's, if you were cut off, if all you knew of your house was just that room and yet you haven't experienced what life is like in the living room. You haven't, maybe you're living on the top floor, but you actually have a sweet basement that's an awesome, you know, playroom, pool table, ping pong. And there's so much more to the house that if all you did was live in the bedroom or all you did was live even in the living room, but you live here, there's so much more. There's so much more, Paul is saying. It, it keeps going, and how sad would it be if you just lived in one little room up here, even though there's a whole villa of God's love to live in, to experience. Paul is saying that the love that God has for you, there's a greater length, width, height, depth. It surpasses knowledge. God's love, there's, God is not, listen to me, God is not content with you understanding a little bit of his love. God is not content with you understanding a little bit of what he's done for you in the past. Saying, yep, God loves me. God is not content with you only just in your head being able to check the box, God loves me. God wants you to fully experience, to taste, to not just know, but to experience the buffet of God's love versus just looking at a food magazine. He wants you to fully experience all of the rooms, all of the depths of the ocean, all of the vastness of space. He wants you to understand the backstory upon backstory of how much he loves you. There is a terrible lie that lives within our hearts. God doesn't love me. Does God really love me? That leads to all the other weaknesses that we have. And Paul is saying, I want you to know how much he loves you. And let me tell you this too, because even as I talk about this, um, I know that when we think about God's love, we can think about a thing as if God's love is just kind of this, I don't know, an attribute of his. God is loving. That's true. It is an attribute or a characteristic of his but when Paul is talking about God wants you to know his love, the depths, the width, all of this stuff, it surpasses knowledge. Here's what he's saying. God wants you to know how much he loves you, not just his love as this thing, his affection towards you, his goodwill towards you. That's what God's love is. It's, it's how much he is for you. 
How much God is for you is wider, deeper, longer, higher than you know. How much God feels affection for you and wants good for your life is beyond your knowledge. How much his thought is of you, how much he is going to do good toward you, it's something that isn't an, just an attribute. It is his affection for and toward you, his working for you in your life. That is what Paul is talking about. And maybe one of the ways to think about that is this passage that's famous from 1 Corinthians. Sometimes this is read at weddings about human love. But this is such a great picture of love that if we think about this, we can say this is part of what Paul means when he's talking about God's love towards us. That God is unfathomably patient towards you. That's what love is, patient. God's incomprehensible love means that God is so patient with you. God doesn't get tired of you. God isn't done with you. He is so patient with you. God is so kind to you. God's, God's kindness to you. There's depths of oceans in his kindness that you haven't even, you don't even, you're scratching the surface of. That's his heart towards you, kindness. God's heart towards you is he doesn't envy. Now, that's, that's a very human thing to talk about. Love doesn't envy. But the opposite of envy is this, I, I love the good that's in your life. I'm not trying to take something from you. I don't want something from you. I want something for you. That's what God's heart is for you. Jesus is humble, not boastful, not arrogant. His love towards you is a, is a humble servant love. His love towards you isn't rude. When, when he sees your struggles, when he sees your pain, when he sees your sins even, he's not just kind of slapping you around. He, he's not rude. His love towards you is unfathomably not rude. It's not self-seeking. He wants your good. He's working for you. It's not irritable. Man, what if you believe that God's love wasn't irritable at all? He's not just kind of annoyed with you. He's always ready to listen, always ready to care, always ready. His love is that unfathomably so. It does not keep a record of wrongs. Isn't that good news? That his love is forgiving. You've done wrongs. There's no record of them if you're in him. He's forgiven them. His love keeps no record of those. His love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. That means he doesn't, he's not happy about the bad things that are happening in your life. That's what love is. And he rejoices when there's good in your life. He rejoices in the true and the good and the beautiful in your life. His, his love, he delights in the good that happens in your life. His love towards you bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. That's this, endures all things. That's this commitment that he never stops with you. He keeps going. Love never ends. He's, he's constant. He's sanctifying you. He's present with you through ups, through downs, through trials, through sins, through sufferings. It doesn't end. He keeps going. That's his love. So 
Is that all? No, there's more and more and more and more. I'm just trying to scratch the surface to help us see that his love is so much bigger than we think. The love in the past that he did for you with Jesus dying on the cross for your sins, the love that he does in the present for you, all the things in 1 Corinthians, the love that he'll do in the future for you, the love that he brings into every suffering, the love that he works all things for your good, the love that he is comforting and present. There, there's, un, there's oceans of love. It doesn't stop. So where do you need strength in your life? Maybe it's in your parenting, maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's in your job, maybe it's physical ailments that you experience, maybe it's sins or hurt, maybe it's to serve other people. Where do you experience some of that weakness and difficulty? What if you knew more how much God loves you? Paul is saying you need to be strengthened so that you can know how much God loves you because that begins to lead you to the fullness of life that God has for you. Final thing, how do we get that? How do we get this strength that leads to fullness of our life? And the problem is, a lot of times we settle. We might be stuck in a sin, and we just kind of settle. This is, what, this is kind of what life is for me. We might be in a hard place in life where we're experiencing suffering and difficulty and challenges and it's the big guy that we're fighting and we just kind of go, this is just going to be what it is. We settle in our faith. Just here's kind of what I know about God. Here's, here's how much I know he loves me and just kind of settle there, coast there. We live within our abilities. Paul is saying there's a lot more that you can have, but you can't settle. And he gives us at least three different ways that we can get this strength that he models as he prays. The first is what I just said, is that it comes through prayer. He says, not, he doesn't just teach, here's what God's love is. He says, I pray that God would grant you this. I pray that you would be able to know this. He says, if you want to know God's love, if you want to be stronger, there's, there's not a way that you can have it apart from supernatural intervention apart from asking God to do something comes through prayer. God wants to strengthen you, but that doesn't just happen. It comes as we come to him and say, God, okay, strengthen me. I want this. I need this. Listen, how many of our, when you read this whole thing, this whole thing is a prayer. How often do our prayers look like that? How often do your prayers look like, God, help me to know more and more of your love? Aren't a lot of our prayers requests for the situation? Requests for getting rid of Zangief? That's the guy's name, the big Russian dude. Aren't they prayers to get rid of that guy? Instead of prayers that we would know more of his love? And I, I think a lot of times our prayers don't look like this. And maybe that's why we don't experience the strength that we need to be able to face and overcome the difficulty. God wants us to have more that comes through him, his spirit strengthening us. So that's the first. The second is when he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. That is prayer, but it's more than prayer. The normal posture of prayer in this day was actually standing. Stand, something like this. 
That was the normal posture of prayer. So to kneel was actually an expression of submission, an intense obedience, an intense, my life is totally submitted to you, which really is the second thing. If you want to experience this strengthening, there has to be a posture of submission and obedience. Because imagine coming to God and saying, God, I want to be strengthened with your love in my inner being. I face these things. Strengthen me. Help me to know your love. And then we just go back to sinning. That's, that is not the posture. The posture is this, I kneel. I submit my life to you. I'm asking you and I'm humbling myself before you. It's a obedient posture, a commitment to surrender to him. Can you pray like that? Can you honestly come to God and pray? Sometimes we're trying to get out of the situation. We're, trying, we're even asking God sometimes to do things, but our posture really isn't surrender. I've talked to many people that are stuck in their sins, but if you ask them, Honestly, the heart posture isn't really, yeah, I want to get rid of this. I want to be done with this. I totally surrender to you. It's not. Experiencing the fullness in life comes through prayer and a humble, obedient posture. And then third, it comes as we comprehend. So Paul has this great combination of action where we're obeying, we're humbling ourselves before him, prayer where we're asking God to do something, but also comprehension, which is not just, you're not asking God to just zap you with love. Go, whoa, now I know God's love. The word comprehend is that you are actually, okay, I'm going to seek to know your love. And you can do that here on a Sunday. I'm trying to help you comprehend a little bit more what God's love is. You can do that through reading good resources that help you know God's love. You can do that through community group or LTG where you're seeking to have other people help you more understand God's love and its implications in your life. But to comprehend isn't just we go, okay, God, just zap me. It's I'm trying to know God's love that's unknowable. I want to push in. I want to press in. And what happens when you get this strength? It's right where we started. You're filled with all the fullness of God. You're strengthened in your inner being, and the end result is filled with all the fullness of God. That is, being who He made you to be, doing what He made you to do, and knowing who He is more fully, experiencing life more connected to who He is. You might say, you might say as we look at all this stuff, that's too much. Like, that's exploring the ocean and exploring. That's too much. Sometimes to, to think about God's love in that way, especially if you've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe if you're a new Christian, you're like, yeah, I, I think that that's possible. Sometimes for, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you might feel, eh, I don't know. I kind of think this is what it means to be a Christian. Not, it's hard to imagine these playing fields up here. We might feel like it's too lofty because here's why. Our expectations are too human. They're too human, which is why Paul ends the whole thing with saying this. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. 
according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's a famous verse that a lot of times people use to be like, I'm going to pray that God would give me $100 and I know he can do above and beyond all I ask. But really it's about knowing God's love and even everything that we just talked about. You might go, "Ah, that's too much. And Paul says, actually, he can do even more than that. He can do above and beyond. If you ask him to strengthen you with his love, if you ask him to make you stronger in the things that you are facing that challenge you and feel so hard and feel like you could never overcome them and feel like there is no way if you feel like you've asked and you, you feel like you're stuck, he says God can do even more than that. You can have a strength that knows God's love so much that leads to a fullness in your life that's beyond what you think is possible. Not because of you, not because of me, but because God can do above and beyond all that we ask or think. When that happens, he gets glory. We go, wow, you're awesome. And people look at the church and go, wow, God must be doing something awesome because of what he's doing in people's lives. And that happens 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote this, and it happens in all generations. That means our generation forever and ever. It keeps going. It means that we should expect that more is possible. We should, whatever you're facing, whatever you're struggling with, you need to expect and believe that more is possible. It doesn't happen by magic. But if we follow the pattern that Paul has given us, more is possible. Big sins can be overcome. Big life challenges can be dealt with and handled with strength. Relationships can be healed. Hearts can change. Joy can happen. God can do above and beyond all that we ask or imagine. That's what it means. Isn't this what we want? Isn't this the fullness that we desire? We're going to take communion in just a moment. If you're a Christian, when we, when we take communion, what we're remembering is that Jesus went to the cross. His body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. And you know what happened on the cross? In a moment, on the cross, Jesus had experienced all of the love, all the loving community of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus had experienced all all this incomprehensible love. Jesus had experienced and knew and lived in all of it in the community of the Trinity. And on the cross was willing to give it up. On the cross was willing for the Father to turn his back on him. On the cross was willing to take all of our sin and in that moment experience the absence of all of that love for you and me. He, was will- he had it all. He knew it all. We're grasping at it. He had it all and was willing to release it so that we could experience it. He was willing to receive death physically, spiritually, so that we could have life, the fullness of knowing God's love now and forever. And when we look at the cross, we see he proved it. He proved his love for me. This isn't just a concept. It's not just an idea. It's not just an attribute. He proved, he demonstrated, Paul says in Romans, his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So as we 
take communion, take some time and pray. Thank God for his love. Pray the words of Paul. If you've got your Bible, open it up to that section and just pray that for yourself. Pray it for our church that we would be strengthened in our inner being. That Christ would take up residence in our hearts, that we would know his love more and more. Pray that for yourself right here. And, and then the rest of this week, what if you prayed that prayer every day for you and for somebody else? I would encourage you to commit to that. I've been praying that this week for myself and for our church and would encourage you. Push into that. Pray. Believe. Let's take God at his word that he hears and listens to our prayers and wants to do above and beyond all that we ask. What would it look like in your life if you could experience more of the fullness that God has for you? What would it look like in our church? That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm encouraging you, challenging you to pray now and ongoing forth. We have a God that loves us. That's the great truth that can overcome the great lie. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you can overcome our greatest weakness with your greatest strength and your greatest power. And so God, even now as we take communion, as we sing a few songs, would you increase the knowledge that we have of your love for us? Help us to know more and more, Jesus, how much you love us. Even as we take communion and have the physical reminder of your body broken, your blood shed, help us to know you've proven how much you love us. Let that overcome the weakness, overcome the lie. Give us your fullness. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.